0: Before we get into our lesson, really, I want to tell you a story about a guy named Reed Hastings. Now, you may know Reed Hastings' name. You may not. It doesn't really matter. But back in 2000, uh, he was the founder and owner of a fairly small company, and he but he wanted to sell his company to a much larger company. And so he went and met with the CEO of probably the largest company in his industry. And so Reed took his company to the CEO of a large company, this huge, you know, just gigantic company, and and wanted to sell his company to them and let them absorb the smaller company for $50 million dollars. Now, the way I hear the story is that he was almost laughed out of, of the office, and, and the CEO of the big company saw no real value or potential there and didn't really want to absorb it into his company, and so he passed on the opportunity to buy this company. Now, if you know Reed Hastings' name, then you might know that he is the owner of Netflix, which now is a worth billions of dollars, and the company that passed on the opportunity to buy it was Blockbuster, and they don't exist anymore. <laughs> Now, I've heard that story a lot of times, and you may have heard that story too, and it's really easy to kind of just laugh about the fact that he missed this huge opportunity. It was right there, and imagine what could have been if you had done this and take advantage of that opportunity, but you got to stop and think about how many opportunities we've missed, Right? You and I have missed so many opportunities. We have so many regrets, don't we? We look back and we say, man, if I had just gone right when I went left, if I had just done this instead of that, things would be so much different today. We all have failed to take advantages of opportunities when they've presented themselves. That's probably why we have so many cliches about that, don't we? We say, I wish I knew then what I know now, right? And we say things like, that ship has... Sailed or hindsight is 2020, right? Because we all know that experience. We've all had huge opportunities and, and failed to take advantage of those. It's, it's really easy to see in hindsight what we should have done. It's really easy to see that something was an opportunity, but now it's long past. What's hard, what's really difficult and really challenging. And what we're trying to do is to see the opportunity in the moment to see the potential there, to see what this might be, to see where this might go, to see what this is and have the discernment and the wisdom in the moment so that we don't miss an opportunity when it's gone. And we're going to talk about and continue talking about what we've been talking about all month, and that's the, the people of Israel. The people that, that Yahweh, that God had committed himself to, had made covenants with, had made promises to. The people that had wrestled with God and God promised in spite of the fact that you've been wrestling with me, I'll bless you, I'll save you, I'll send a redeemer who's going to end your exile. Who's going to bring the night to an end and bring about the dawn of a brand new day. We talked about how the people of Israel, how they longed for their Messiah, how they waited with great, huge anticipation, waiting for the day that the Messiah would show up and save them from exile, redeem them, glorify them. And the heartbreaking reality is that when the Messiah did show up, that many of the people of Israel missed their opportunity. that especially the people in Jerusalem, the leaders in Jerusalem who sort of spoke for the people and represented the people, that they rejected Jesus as their Messiah and missed their opportunity to become his disciples. And as easy as it would be, again, to look at them and say, you missed your opportunity, I'm not going to do that, I would never be so foolish, I would never make that mistake. I want us, as we talk about Israel, and how he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. I want us to think about ourselves and be really honest with ourselves for a second and ask ourselves, is it possible that even now, even sitting here in a church building, even singing these songs, even being Bible students and all the things that we do, is it possible that we're failing to make the most of the opportunity Jesus is presenting us with? And when I say us, when I say, is it possible that we are doing that? I don't mean your spouse, and I don't mean your uncle, and I don't mean your cousin, and I don't mean your kids, and I don't mean your parents, and I don't mean your neighbors. I mean you and me. Let's stop and really think about that. And say, if it's possible that the people that longed for the Messiah, that knew the promises of the prophets, that knew it and expected it and wanted it, that when he showed up, they chose something else. If it's possible for them to miss that opportunity, is it possible for you and I in our lifetimes to miss the opportunity to receive Jesus as our King? Let's think about that. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 1. John says, he came to his own. And The he there, obviously, we're talking about Jesus. But the way John sort of presents this story of Jesus coming into the world, it's a little bit different than the other gospel writers. We're not talking about Virgin Mary. We're not talking about the manger or Bethlehem or shepherds or angels. This is much more of a theological presentation of who Jesus is and what it meant for him to come into the world. And the way John presents it is that Jesus is... The divine word of Yahweh. The divine word through which God created the universe. The divine word through which Jesus created the world. The divine word of Yahweh that had come to the prophets. The word of God had come to the prophets over and over and over and over again with a message, God loves you. Repent do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, repent, God is going to send a deliverer and a savior. This message that came from God and was itself divine, this message became a man and dwelt among his own people. So when John says he came To his own, He, he means to his own world. The world through which God, through this divine word, created the world. He came to his own world. He came to his own place. And even to his own people. His own people. As opposed to the other peoples who didn't know about the divine word of Yahweh that had come to the prophets. The word through which the world was created. He came to his own people the people that Yahweh had committed himself to, the people to whom Yahweh had made a covenant. I mean, can you imagine, do you know what that means? For Yahweh, to, for God to make a covenant with a people? It was like God married a people. God made a promise to them. He said, you're, you're like my own flesh and blood. You're mine and I'm yours. And we've got this special bond. And he made all of these promises about deliverance and hope. And they said, oh, yes, we're longing for the Messiah to come. That people. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Why? I mean, isn't that a good question? Why? 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 Of all the people, he didn't just show up to a bunch of strangers who knew nothing about God and what God wanted and who God was he showed up to a people who should have recognized him, but yet they rejected him. They, they, they said, we're tired of the night, we're tired of living in perpetual night, and we can't wait for the day to dawn, for the, the rays of light to break into the darkness. And when the light, that's what we talked about last week, isn't it? Jesus lying in a manger, that it's the first rays of a new day beginning to dawn and break into a world of darkness. And as Jesus grew into a man, he went out into the darkness and he exposed what was in the darkness. He began to dismantle the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, and undo and destroy all of the works of Satan. Day was coming and night was ending. And the people didn't receive the light. Why? John chapter 3, the the whole Gospel of John explains why these leaders in Jerusalem especially rejected Jesus as the light bearer. But John chapter 3 says it's because they love the darkness rather than the light. They were in love with the way things were too much to allow someone to save them from it. They were in love with the status quo. They were in love with doing things the world do, the way the world does things. They were in love with the way things were. And before we're so hard on them and we say, well, couldn't you see the opportunity that was right there in front of you? Why did you not receive your king? The light was coming in and you chose darkness over light. Do we ever do the same thing? Are we ever so in love with the way things are that we don't allow Jesus to save us from it? Are we ever so in love with the status quo that we don't accept the new life and the new humanity and the new creation that Jesus is calling us to? We, we give a lot of lip service and we say a lot about the love of Jesus and the peace of Jesus. We say, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I love it, right? That's good. But do we ever say we, we love Jesus' peace? but we're complicit or involve ourselves in that which is the opposite of peace? Do we ever give lip service and say we, we love Jesus' love and His goodwill toward men, but yet we involve ourselves and we're complicit with hate and bitterness and unforgiveness and racism and war and all of the horrible things of the darkness Rather than the light. We say, we say we love the idea of unity and the coming together of all the nations and we say we want Jesus to bring that, yet we still so often are complicit with division along racial lines or political lines or national lines. We sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And the question I have to struggle with is, have I prepared him room? Have I received my king? It's easy for me to look at these Jewish leaders and say, you should have received him. But how often is the man I stare at in the mirror guilty of not receiving my king. But but then the the next verse is good news. Look at verse 12. He says, but to all who did receive him, because there were many who received him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave, listen, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of men, or the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Right, John packs it a lot of truth right here, doesn't he? Truth that may be obvious to us, but we have to stop and think about. That only God can give someone the right to be his child. And he can give that right to whomever he wants to give that right. Some people, especially the descendants of Abraham, felt like they deserved that right. That that right belonged especially and exclusively to them. But John says, no. God has the right to give the right to be the children of God to whomever he wishes. And what a marvelous thing that is, isn't it? I mean, stop and think about it for just a moment. I mean... That this relationship that God has, the Father has with the Son and with the Spirit, eternally in fellowship with each other, eternally loving one another, eternally family. And God says, I I can give the right to come into that family to whomever I wish. It doesn't belong exclusively to descendants of Abraham. In fact, that's not how this Relationship is going to be determined. It's not about the will of the flesh or the will of man. It's not about who your parents were, what your genealogy looks like, or what your lineage looks like. He has the right to give this to all. But to all. But to all. That means Jew and Gentile. To all who did what? Who received him. Who believed in his name. What does that mean? means to become a follower of Jesus, to be his disciple. That Jesus gives the right to be God's children to anyone, to everyone, regardless of what you've done or where you've been or who you've been with or what you've said or what you've believed. He offers you the opportunity to be reborn into a new humanity that are God's beloved children. How amazing is that? And it won't be determined by who your parents were or who your grandparents were, whether you're physically descended from Abraham or not. It will be determined by this one thing, whether or not you receive him, you believe in his name. If you become a follower of Jesus, he puts it this way in John chapter 3, that you're reborn by the water and the Spirit. It doesn't just mean that you just get baptized. We put a lot of emphasis on that, and that's true. That that's the water. But there has to also be a rebirth. Amen? There has to be a change, a transformation, a new kind of human. And by and large, many of his own people rejected that opportunity to truly be God's children. And the question for us is, are we, are we embracing that opportunity or are we missing that opportunity to be God's children, to receive Jesus as our King, to be reborn into a different kind of humanity that doesn't do things the way the world does things. We don't do things according to the world's hate and the world's division and the world's fighting. We do things according to Jesus, who is radically different. And calls us to a radically different lifestyle. I want to read for you 1 John chapter 3. Now now I'm going to read from, from a sort of a paraphrased translation because I think it captures not only the beauty, but the meaning of what John is writing. And it's tied so closely to what he says here in John chapter 1. So listen with me. Long reading. 1 John 3 and verse 1. Look, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He's called us and made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it's not yet apparent what we will become, but we do know that when it's finally made visible, we will be just like him for we will see him as he truly is. And all who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves just as Jesus is pure. Now now here's the warning. Verse 4. Anyone who indulges in sin lives in moral anarchy. For the definition of sin is breaking God's law. And you know without a doubt that Jesus was revealed to eradicate sins. And there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in union with him will not sin. But the one who continues sinning hasn't seen him with discernment or known him by intimate experience. Delightfully loved children, don't let anyone divert you from this truth. The person who keeps doing what is right proves that he is righteous before God, even as the Messiah is righteous. But the one who indulges in a sinful life is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because God's seed remains within him. And he is unable to continue sinning because he has been fathered by God himself. Here is how God's children can be clearly distinguished from the children of the evil one. Anyone who does not demonstrate righteousness and show love to fellow believers is not living with God as his source. John helps us to realize that saying you're God's children is one thing, but knowing you're God's children is something else. And he zeroes in especially on the word love. He goes on to say, how can, you, how can you say you love God whom you haven't even seen if you don't love the people that are right in front of you, the people that you have seen? If you don't love the people that you've seen, how can you love God whom you haven't even seen? If you really are God's children, It changes the way you treat everybody. You look like God because God's seed is within you. He's your father and God is love. We say we want Jesus to deliver us. We say, we wait in anxious anticipation for the Messiah. We want the life that he has to offer. But are we willing to let go of the world's way of doing things? Are we willing to let go of the darkness and embrace the light? Are we, are we so transformed that we are so radically different from the world that the world notices John says, that's why. The reason why the world doesn't recognize you is because they didn't recognize him. And you're a different kind of people now. You're a changed people. But are we? Are we so radically different from the world that they say, you're a weird group of people. You're so radically loving. Why? You're so radically patient. Why? You're so radically self-controlled. Why? You're so radically gentle. Why? And the reason why is because God has caused us to be reborn in accepting Jesus as King and being born again by the water and the Spirit. We have become God's children on the earth. And the question we have to wrestle with is, have we really? Have I really? Have you really? Are we embracing this magnificent opportunity to be God's children that's right in front of us? So it's a simple takeaway this morning. Embrace your opportunity to be God's child. Life goes fast, doesn't it? I don't have to tell you that. You know that, don't you? The last week went fast, didn't it? The week before that and the week before that. And this last year has gone fast, hasn't it? I mean, 2018 is gone. You you were making plans. just It seems like yesterday, doesn't it? You're making all kinds of New Year's resolutions about 2018. And now it's gone. And it went like that, didn't it? And if we have another year, it'll go like that. If we have another decade, it'll go like that. You know that. Life goes fast. And it's very easy to get distracted and caught up in the status quo, the way things are. And to miss the opportunity to be something different. To be God's child in the world. You have that opportunity right in front of you. Embrace it. Embrace it today and tomorrow and the next day. Get up every morning embracing the fact that if you receive him, believe in his name, are born again by the water and the spirit, then he gives you the right to be God's child. Some of you need to hear that because you need encouragement. Because you don't really believe. You don't really believe that God wants you to be part of his family. Oh, yeah, you may accept that some people, God wants some people to be part of his family. But I've, I've done too much. I've said too much. I've gone too far. But the gospel truth is God wants you, you, no matter where you've been or what you've done, to be a part of his eternal life family. So embrace that unique opportunity while you have the chance. Maybe you've not been born again by the water and the spirit. Or maybe you have and you just need to get back on track. Wherever you are and whatever your next step needs to be, we're all struggling through this life together. And we all need each other. Let us help you. Help us. Let's help each other to embrace our opportunity to be God's children. If we can help you put Jesus on in baptism, or we can pray with you, our shepherds would love to meet with you after service, or right now, come forward as we stand and sing this song.